Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Here are your headlines. In Butte County, the Board of Supervisors has voted to officially oppose AT&T's request to end telephone landline services for tens of thousands of people in the North State region. And if the California Public Utilities Commission approves AT&T's request, County Supervisor Tammy Ritter suggested the county add a provision to its letter of opposition. I think that there should be an ask in our letter as well um, that if they are to move forward that they are providing all 37,000 plus households with an alert FM and the ongoing maintenance for it. That's a device that can receive emergency alert notifications in wildfires and other emergencies. Reverse 911 calls to landline phones have saved lives. Supervisors in Santa Cruz and Tuolumne counties also agreed to send letters voicing their concerns with the proposal to the CPUC. The agency is holding public hearings on AT&T's request through the end of March. A Fresno judge on Tuesday approved a plan to reopen bankrupt Madera Community Hospital, which has been closed for more than a year. That's despite a reopening bid from UC San Francisco announced last week. KVPR's Carrie Klein reports. The decision in federal bankruptcy court paves the way for the hospital to reopen under Modesto-based company American Advanced Management, or AAM. The judge's decision was preceded by hours of testimony from agencies and organizations requesting more time to review the 11th-hour proposals submitted by UCSF Health and Adventist Health. One argument they made for postponing a decision was that the new bid promised to make the hospital a teaching facility for medical students. After the hearing, Matthew Beeler of AAM said a teaching hospital is not out of the picture. We are open to any any conversations, and, and we're all ears to how we can work together. Others testified that UCSF has a better record for quality of care and ability to recruit doctors and nurses, which Beeler disputes. Those were all anecdotes for a reason. There there was nothing written about that. There was nothing presented about that. There were no numbers about that. The plan is awaiting final approval from the State Department of Public Health. Otherwise, the company waived all rights to walk away from the deal. Beeler estimates the hospital could be open within four to six months. For the California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Fresno. 
Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. And moving on, it's a presidential election year. And we all know that means in our national politics, divisions, hostility, and fear are high. But those emotions are also playing out in California's local politics, especially in the Orange County city of Huntington Beach. Just listen to Huntington Beach resident Laura Sire, who I met outside of City Hall where she was attending a protest rally. We're here to fight the fascists. Huntington Beach is a microcosm of the macrocosm of the country. These people are Trumpers, so there's the MAGA playbook all the time. Sire is talking about Huntington Beach's four-person conservative city council majority. Since their election two years ago, the council members have moved aggressively to roll back a slew of progressive initiatives in the city of nearly 200,000 residents. Their actions range from prohibiting the LGBTQ flag from flying at City Hall, to eliminating official municipal language condemning hate crimes, to creating a review panel to monitor content in public library books. These actions have turned the city council's Tuesday night meetings into an arena for America's wider culture wars, with most speakers who attend blasting the conservative majority. I guarantee you history will be a judge and it will not be kind to you. I guarantee it. But City Council Member Casey McKeon says he and his fellow conservatives on the council make no apologies for their actions. They're upset that we've touched some of the cultural things, right? The counter to that is that they did that as well in previous councils, right? So it's okay for them to to focus on cultural issues, and it's not okay for us to come in and and, and fix some of the things that we feel were, were done wrong. But the most explosive and possibly costly idea pushed by the council conservatives will appear on the March municipal ballot. It's a city charter amendment titled Measure 1. If passed, it would require Huntington Beach residents to show official identification when voting in person, a first in California. Again, Councilman McKeon. Correct the issues that create increased faith in your elections. So again, this is just one more mechanism. So when you go to vote in person, you show your ID. Now you have faith in your election that like, you know your vote's going to be counted. But critics like Councilmember Dan Kalmick, who's part of the three-member liberal minority on the council, says what Measure 1 is really about is satisfying the far right and undermining democracy. Measure 1 is effectively voter suppression. Um, it's called voter ID, and it sounds great at first blush, right? You're like, yeah, you should have to show your ID to vote. Sure, sure, except you already did that when you registered to vote. Showing your ID in person is a way to stop people that don't have IDs from voting. 
Critics also argue the measure's passage would invite a costly lawsuit from the state, which Huntington Beach would likely lose. And even if the measure is successful, there are the unknown costs to the city of setting up its own voting system, says Shirley Detloff, a former mayor of Huntington Beach. You've got to buy voting equipment, you've got to hire personnel, you've got to print all those ballots. This is going to be costly to the city, taxpayers' money. So what are you, going to, what are you willing to give up? And then there's the issue of why Huntington Beach even needs voter ID. I raised that with Councilman McKeon. Councilman, it, it's my understanding that Huntington Beach has never really had a serious case of voter fraud, the thing that the voter ID measure is supposed to remedy. Am I correct? Yeah, you're correct in that, for sure. And again, that's that's not what this issue is about. It's, it's to increase faith in, in our local election. It has nothing to do with like pointing to cases of fraud that's existed. Meanwhile, as Election Day approaches, opponents of the conservative majority on the city council continue to organize to oppose their actions. If you're on Facebook, get your phones out. Go to protect Huntington Beach. Are you taking your phones out? Did you join that already? Whatever happens on Election Day, many in Huntington Beach fear that the scars of us versus them partisanship and local politics won't heal anytime soon. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, February 14th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening, and happy Valentine's Day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy works to create a cleaner, healthier, more secure world for all, on the web at theschmidt.org. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.